0: Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me, you know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts when I am far away, you see me when I travel, when I rest at home, you know, everything I do, the beautiful thing about God is he knows everything that you do. When we're away, when we're in, our group is in Slovakia, when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, when I'm playing smash ball and wanting to tear apart the Lutherans, the poor Lutherans. He knows everything that we do. He knows our thoughts. He knows where our heart is. And he wants us to understand that and build upon that in, in, in who we are. God has a plan for us and knows everything our do, everything that we do. And if you're not living the life correctly, that can be very terrifying. But if you are living a life that's honoring to God, it can be very glorifying and it can be very fulfilling to know, man, I'm I'm for the first time in my life following the will of God and living it out. So today we're going to talk about this story of, of, about these 10 lepers. And I just want to give you the main point to start chewing on it today uh, from the beginning. And, and I want you just to kind of start chewing on this because this message could be pretty bland and vanilla if you don't really start thinking about what this story is. It's a pretty simple story. And the main point is faith in God, faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and God together helps us to be thankful for who God is and what Jesus has done for you and me on a daily basis. So putting our faith in God helps us to learn to be thankful. We're going to talk about learning to be faithful. Since we were children, young children, some people say I still act like a child. But since we were young children, our parents have, our parents have challenged us uh, to have good manners, right? Anybody ever have to tell your kids or, or be told by your parents to have good manners? When you ask for something, you were supposed to say, please dyslexic. (laughs) That's how I am. When you ask for something, you would say, please, please. And when you receive something, you would say, Thank thank you. And I've got a couple of pictures here. I don't know if anybody ever read these books, but does anybody remember the Bernstein bears? And there, there's a couple of books to teach your kids how to say please and thank you and to put you in the right mindset set of saying please and thank you. The idea here is that when you say please and thank you it, it, and, and do what you're supposed to say, it helps you learn what truly uh, thankfulness is in your heart. When you learn to say that, and your parents were teaching you something very valuable. This is how I learned to say please and thank you. There's another picture of how I learned to say please and thank you. This is a chalkboard. And some of us, uh, my buddy Richard is here, and he's taught me a long time ago that repetition strengthens and confirms behavior. And so this is one of 5,000 that I had to do because this is how I learned. Anybody learn like that? Yeah, there's a lot of you here. When your parents reminded you constantly as you were growing up to say please and thank you, they were trying to give you a deeper understanding about life, truly trying to live out a life of gratitude. They call it an attitude of gratitude in some places, but it's really this mindset in Christianity we call thankfulness, and we need to understand that. Let me give you some ideas. Think about that best gift you've ever received, maybe on your birthday or Christmas. Think about the best gift you've ever received, something that you really wanted. Maybe it, it's a new Lexus with the bow on top, or maybe it was the Red Rider BB gun or something. Think about that best gift that you ever had. And when you receive that gift, you know, for me, I, I don't want to kill it for the kids. But as you get older, Christmas is a lot different and uh, birthdays are a lot different. I don't want to kill it for you kids. Still really good. So enjoy it. Um, but when we were kids, we got these gifts. I remember getting some great gifts as a kid. And when we received the gifts, it was super exciting. But to be thankful and have this attitude of gratitude, you have to take it a step further. It's not just jumping up and down and saying, oh boy, I got what I finally really wanted. Even as adults, some adults get some really cool Christmas and birthday gifts. But it, we need to go a step further. It's not that you're just happy to have a gift, but you're also filled with thankfulness to the giver. The giver is a big part of, of receiving that gift. Think about what the giver does. First of all, the giver goes and pays for or shops for this thing, right? They probably got to go out and figure it out and go online and look and see how to do that. And then they, sh- uh, then they pay for it. And then finally, they gift wrap it somehow or some way. And if you go even beyond before that, you got to go, well, they probably got a job or robbed a bank to get the money to get to that, right? So there was some action before to get the money, however you guys earn money. And so when we think about the giver, we truly can grasp the idea of thankfulness. And it will make sense today as we look at our Lord giving something amazing to these ten lepers. Because the giver is, is, has a spirit of generosity and love, when we, sh, we need to find great and unique ways to show thankfulness. Well, how do we do that? For me, when my kids come and we give them something that we really want to give them, something that they really want, we give them something. They come and give hugs and kisses. That's just so good. It feels so good when you get that in return. From the giver, we love doing that because that's super special. The other thing is, is when you give that gift and you hear comments Not just 10 minutes after the gift, but 10 days after or 10 months after. When people are living a life of thankfulness, they are constantly giving adoration to the giver. And finally, a lot of times when people get good gifts, they also write grandma or grandpa or mom and dad a little note. Some way saying, hey, this really changed my life. This uh, iPhone 6 gigantic, will really help me live a better life. And so we get really excited about that. So we do hugs, comments, and then maybe some sort of lit, written thing. Today, social media, we can see a lot of people give those adorations. Today we're going to talk about a story in Luke chapter 17. If you know your Bible, it's a story about 10 lepers. Jesus comes before these 10 lepers and gives them an amazing gift of healing. And in that healing, he teaches us about thanksgiving. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read from Luke 17. Uh, It'll be verses 11 to 19. One of the things that we've done since the beginning, even in the backyard and at the tree and at the school and at the Boys and Girls Club and here is we've stood before God because one of the elements that God has given us is his word. And when you allow these words to be read or heard and put it inside of your soul, things start to change and you start to shed this old life and this new life becomes new, uh, makes you whole. So let's read. Uh... As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He entered a village there. Ten lepers stood at a distance, crying, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us!" He looked at them and said, "Go and show yourselves to the priest." As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he when they saw that when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, "Praise God!" he had uh, fell to the ground before Jesus, thanking him for what he has done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? No one has returned to give the glory to God except this foreigner. And Jesus says to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. And as I pray, I would ask, hey, Lord... Amplify this story if you've heard it before and if you've never heard it before. Speak to me in a way that I can grasp and understand and grow in my thankfulness and faith in God. Father, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you for the trials that you give us and the joy that comes through that on the other side. Bless this church today. Bless the churches in Slovakia and all across the world in this pleasant valley in Oxnard and Ventura, Newberry Park and in Camarillo. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will light a fire in all of us, that we will respond to you in a way that will glorify you and your kingdom. We say these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So let's kind of set the scene up here. If you look at the scene, I think there's a picture of a map of where Jesus is coming from. Uh, 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 Galilee is in the northern region. And then you see Samaria. And then you see at the very bottom, Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem. So it says in our text... Um, and you don't need to go there, it says, Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. He reached the border of Galilee and Samaria, and outside he sees a group of of men as he enters the village. And these men happen to be 10 lepers. And uh, it's interesting about the lepers, and we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that. But if you had leprosy back in those days, generally you were ostracized or you were asked to live outside of of, of your community. And the... uh, the, what, what, what the best thing could happen was that you would live with other lepers so you wouldn't be lonely, right? They, they would put other lepers together. They had leper islands back in those days and they wanted people to stay... Uh, they, these lepers wanted to have some sort of fellowship because they, they didn't have any of that. They had to be outside of, of, of the community. So let's kind of dig in. If you've never heard of leprosy or if you're interested in it, let's just talk a little bit about it. Leprosy is a condition where skin begins to rot and... And then it falls off. Many people that are lepers lose fingers and toes. And I've got some pictures and I got rid of the faces because I didn't want to embarrass anybody personally because there's a bunch of faces. But these people lose fingers and limbs and toes and skin just rots and falls off. And it's smelly and it's painful. If you've ever smelled rotting dead animal or dead human, it doesn't smell good, and it's super painful. And it's pretty amazing to think about losing toes and fingers because it just rots off. It's pretty crazy. Leprosy was very common back in that day. Very contagious and very common. Today, there's leprosy in still several continents. India, China, Japan, Africa, West India, and South America all have cases of leprosy. But in Ventura County... I I don't know, I didn't do much research, but there's not much. We've been kind of protected ourselves from this. So the important thing is it was very easy to catch. You could sit next to someone and they would rub up against you and you could catch it. Or they they thought that if you breathed on them or even talked close to somebody, you could receive it that way. Leprosy was very contagious. So what happened was they created laws. When Moses came and gave these laws and rules, oral tradition and written tradition, there's a whole section about leprosy, skin disease, because it was very common. And if you looked at Leviticus 13, there's all kinds of stuff you want to know about leprosy. But here's here's kind of the summary of it. When you would see someone that had leprosy and you were walking down the road, what the rule of thumb was in, in Leviticus thirteen forty five c it says, they would cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. And that's how they would signify that they were unclean, first of all. And it could have been a host of ways. But then people, if they could see they were a leper, would stop and usually go back to where they came from. They wouldn't even go close to them. Because they thought that it could actually jump on them if they got within, you know, 15 or 20 feet or 50 yards. People would generally turn back around and go, I'm not even going to get close. Because that's a horrible disease and they would change their whole plan. It also said, and if you continue in verse 46, it says, As long as he or she had the infection of leprosy, he would remain unclean. He must live alone and he would live outside of the camp. So that's what's happening here. Jesus has a bunch of people that are living outside the camp, but there's a group. So they're not just by themselves, which is probably a blessing. I don't know if anybody's ever lived alone or has been alone for an extended period of time. It's not fun. I'm, I'm not one that likes to be alone. I like to have people around me. Even if they're annoying, it's still better than me by myself. Because by myself, I think I'm even more annoying. So I think I need help to quiet the things that are going on in my head. So let's continue. Verse 13. We hear in 13 these men crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And when you look at this verse... Something uh, very profound jumps out. These men, these lepers, knew who God was. They knew that he was the master of the universe, that he was the great teacher, that he had power to go and, and, and do great things. And they were crying out. When we are in that state of our life, when we see God and know God and, and we hear God, they knew exactly how to call on the name of the Lord. Have mercy on me, on us. And then they looked at him and the, and he and he Jesus looked at him and he said go and show yourselves to the priest now now, back into Leviticus 13, Jesus is fallen a Mosaic law. If you had skin disease and you thought you were healed, you would go and show yourself and the priest would decide if you were healed or not. And there was all kinds of, of, of things in Leviticus that talk about if the skin is dry and there's no hair growing in it and it's, it's scabbed over and it's not stinking, it was okay. And if it was, then they'd say, you're still unclean, go back outside. So, uh, Jesus is following this Mosaic law, and uh, it was pretty important that they they did this. And the other thing was, is there was a thing in, in, in Leviticus that said the only one that could heal leprosy was God. And so, it was a great miracle, and that's a whole other topic. So, as we get to the middle of the message today, and we've got our technology back, and we're into this comfortable state of church... And what Sunday's going to be and what are those cookies smelling and bacon in the oven right now? And do I want to come back or am I going to go to toppers and not come back? What, are, what does this message mean? What does this mean for me and you today? In 2015, how do we take a story of 10 lepers being healed by Jesus outside of this city that's on the border of Galilee and Samaria? How can we make this and apply it to our life? The way I read the Bible, the way I study the Bible is I ask a bunch of questions and go, what does this mean? How can this make any sense into this great pleasant valley where we don't struggle with leprosy? Where we don't see some of these crazy, amazing healings because we're so dependent on technology and hospitals and... Paychecks and cars that we don't ever get to that point to, to really trust in, in great and amazing miracles. But if I ask somebody or multiple people who have seen an amazing miracle in life, raise their hand. There's a lot of people that have seen great and amazing miracles. And guess what? We're the great forgetters, too. Where we, we, we forget. So how does this apply? Well, listen to what the next verse says. He's, he sees these men. They cry out, Master, have mercy on us. And then Jesus says, go and show yourself before the priest. And the very next verse changes the whole mindset of, 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 this, of this message today. It says, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, that's a crazy, cool response there. I'm into the whole response thing. I think at the end of last year, God says, how can we be a church that responds? This response is pretty cool. As they went. They were healed of leprosy. In faith, these lepers go into the town, which is against the law. They're unclean. They're not supposed to be inside the city. They're supposed to be outside. He says, go and show yourself. As they go, the leprosy just kind of drops off like the party parts do today. He says, show yourself before these priests. That's an interesting statement. I'll dig into that in just a second. But I want to say this. There's an inference here. Out of the ten lepers, you've got to look at some outside resources, but out of the ten lepers, nine of the ten lepers are considered faithful people, Jewish of, of descent. They weren't Samaritans. They were Jewish uh, people living in Galilee or Jerusalem, but they were lepers, but they were actually Jewish people. So we, we have to infer that. So I want you to understand that because that makes sense. They were, they were, they were faithful people. They would be considered Christians today. Uh, in this, they, they were faithful people. One of them they called a foreigner or a Samaritan. Samaritan was a, a Jewish people mixed with, they called pagans or Gentiles, and they started to have their own society because they intermarried. And so that's what uh, Samaritans were. And so the general Jewish people basically stayed away from them. But the interesting thing is, if you look into Samaria and the Samaritans, they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. They call it the Samaritan Torah. And they were actually more faithful to God than most of the Jewish people. It's interesting. If you look into uh, the Samaritans, they they were really focused on who who God was. And they they worshipped the Yahweh. And they were very religious they just had some Gentiles living within them so getting back to the story and this crazy cool cool response these guys go and they go and as they go they're healed now listen to this this statement do you have a strong enough faith and or trust in God to go and do even before you see it and see the evidence right If you're sitting here today and my prayer was that you're sitting here and that God would give you a specific revelation. Hey, I'm going to heal your marriage if you sell the car or move and, you know, do something in the house. Or I'm going to heal your addiction if you stop using or clicking the mouse or whatever. I'm going to do something in your life and change your finances if you go out here and look for a job. Now, the the idea, the response is you're going to go and you're going to walk and you might not even see any evidence. That's a crazy response. That's the way journey has was built. We are a church that went on a whim. People were laughing at us when we were starting the church. You can't start a church in a recession. Where are you going to get the money? You can't start a church. None of you know what you're doing. You're not church planners. You're right. We're not. But what happened was five years ago, me and my wife went to Mexico and God told my wife that we should start a church. The very next week when we came back, guess what we did? We started a church. We started a barbecue at our house and asked people, please come and pray for us for the next 30 days to see if God wants to do something to gather a bunch of people in the name of Jesus Christ. And from that moment, we had a barbecue and asked people to pray. That next Wednesday, we started, people were like, let's just do this every week. And they started to come to our backyard. And we didn't see any evidence. If truthfully, most of the people were laughing at us. You can't do this. You guys aren't schooled. You're not trained. And you're not professionals. And and the truth is, we're still not trained. Jeremy's in Slovakia, and we didn't know how to run the thing today. So we still don't know what we're doing. The point is this, and, and my buddy Mike Morsett gave me a cross with this saying, and it's, and it's uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It's something we've been saying from the beginning of the church. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. And what these men that have leprosy, that are smelling, they got body parts falling off, what they do is they start walking in a way that says, I'm going to go even though I don't see any evidence. I'm going to walk in a way that's going to say, God wants me to go this way. So I'm going to go even though I don't see any evidence and reason to go. Is that you? If God was telling you to do something today and your life would be transformed in 40 days, would you step out and do that? I hope you would. I've seen it happen in my life. And I've seen it happen in countless lives in this room and in this church. But sometimes we need to take a step of faith. We need to take that leap of faith and walk in a way, even if we don't see it. This was never part of our plan. We didn't even know if we were ever going to get a building. My buddy Jim showed me this great building in Ventura that's for sale. Maybe one day we're going to be there. Looks really cool. The point is, is that we got to be faithful and step out and allow Christ to be our Lord and Savior. Let's continue on in the verse verse 15 says and then one of them when he saw that he was healed came back to Jesus out praise God he fell to the ground at the uh, at the ground at Jesus's feet thanking him for what he's done and it says this man was a Samaritan i think there's a picture of this man falling on the ground once again this Samaritan comes before God and as he's walking all of a sudden he's like look i'm no longer sick i'm no longer riddled with leprosy i'm clean i'm healing and instead of going and showing himself before the priest, what does he do? He runs back and says, hey, thank you God for who you are and what you are and what you did. And he falls in a proper place before God and says look, this is where I am and this is what God is doing and I want to give you thanks and adoration. Now the inspiration here, there's some, some spiritual uh, significance of this story. It's a true story. Many are called and even healed of uncurable diseases in this world. Many are called uh, to Jesus and called to faith and called to actually be open to healing. And then they are healed, but yet few are choosing to appreciate what has been given. Few of us that have bad miracles in their life forget to go back and thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for how you've changed my life, how you've changed my marriage, how you've taken my kid who was sick one day and you've healed him, and now they're living a life that we never expected. Thank you, God, for who you are, because few of us remember that. Now, there's some more significance if you look into this verse. The number 10 has some biblical significance. If you type into Google, numbers in the Bible, there's this whole thing that comes up and you click on a number and it tells you significances of the Bible. The number 10 in this Bible has great significance. Here's some of the things that are significant. 10 is viewed as a complete and perfect number, just as 3, 7, and 12 are. Those are all considered perfect and new and complete. 10 signifies, if you look at it in the biblical term, 10 signifies law, responsibility, and this idea of completeness of order. Let me explain the completeness of order because that's what we usually see 10 as being a part of. In Genesis chapter 1, 10 times it says in the King James, and then God spake. In the new King James, it spoke, and then maybe yours says God said. But in that, it says ten times that God speaks. And as he speaks, he, he, he shows his creative power. And as he starts to speak, things start to, com- to be created. And then the universe has this completeness of order. So ten times he speaks, and then we see his creative power, and then the completion of God's creation. Ten also represents the Ten Commandments. And if there's then ten, ten commandments, it says to complete the Ten Commandments, man should use these as a measuring stick. To go up and say, am I close to God? Am I living a way like God? We're not supposed to follow these verbatim. We're supposed to use them as a measuring stick. At my mom's house, all of the grandkids, there's this one wall with everybody measured, right? And my girl started passing me a long time ago. It's really sad. You never want to be that guy in your house, that everybody's taller than you. It's not good. But they're measured, and that's what the Ten Commandments are. And, and, and then it says that, that man should keep those commandments as a point of complete, completeness. And then here's everybody's favorite. So we're going to talk about tithe. Ten percent of our tithe is what we're supposed to give, and we do that to honor God and faithfully give God. So we're going to do another offering here. I'm just kidding, we don't. Journey has been so gracious. There's been plenty of money since the beginning because we put our faith in Jesus and we're, we don't do second offerings and we rarely talk about money because God is so faithful. He's entrusted us. The point is 10 has significance. The 10 have significance. And if we continue on this, the number 10 in the story of Luke, the 10 lepers even have greater significance. Let me kind of explain what it says. If you're studying and you look at commentary and you look at things, that there's something that happens in perfection here. There's a fleshly perfection, perfection in the flesh, but it doesn't equal spiritual perfection. So ten men come before God and they receive this perfection in the flesh. They are healed in the name of Jesus by the Lord and Savior and all of a sudden they're free of this disease. So fleshly, they've been healed perfectly by God. But that doesn't equate spiritual perfection. Let me explain that a little bit. These ten men go and get healed. They receive this spiritual or or fleshly perfection. But only one man comes back to worship God and thank God for who he is. And so only one of the ten actually uh, uh, receive this spiritual perfection that God has for them. Hope that makes sense. I know it's a little bit confusing. But what happens is, a lot of things that happen in the flesh... Don't equate spiritual perfection. You can come and feel like you're walking with God, but it doesn't mean in your heart that you're truly walking with God. I sat in a church four or five years and and would feel the message and cry and weep and occasionally put my hand up like I was worshiping, but I didn't want anybody to see. But I didn't have any relationship with Jesus. I had a fleshly feeling but I didn't have a spiritual perfection with God. And that's what's happening here. And we see that. Of the, of the ten people, nine go probably just like I was. If I was healed with leprosy and someone was up here preaching. And, and I walk up and they say, walk out and grab a thing of bread and you'll be healed. And I walk out. I would run back to my family, to my wife, my mom and my dad and say, look, I'm healed. I'm like those nine. I would forget and not turn back. I'm going to go to my family I haven't seen in a long time and I'm going to hug my wife and I'm going to look at my kids and play with them and do things and I'm going to forget what God is and that's what they're talking about here. Many forget to go back and honor God for what he's doing. The other thing that's interesting and I'm going to ask the band to come back up in in just a second. The other thing that I think is interesting is that it shows that it's possible to receive God's gift of healing with an ungrateful spirit. God God doesn't necessarily justify you by if you're grateful or ungrateful. He still heals. Here we see ten people healed. Nine of them are ungrateful, but they still get healed. You can be ungrateful today and sit there grumpy and waiting, when is this guy going to shut up so I can get out of here? And he can still work in your life. He can still take some of the crumbs that are falling from uh, heaven and you can take that crumb and utilize it for the glory of God. Verse 17 says, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? All of a sudden, Jesus is doing this spiritual perfection. He says, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give, the, to, to give glory to God except this foreigner? He kind of then says, look, not even the faithful Jewish people who have been healed. And in the Levitical law that says the only person that can heal leprosy is God. Not even them come back to give me the glory. Pretty profound. And then Jesus says, and he, can, he does this completion of order. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And that is what we do when we're in the place of thanksgiving. We go, we ask and thank the giver. Thank you for giving me that. And after that, the giver then gives us a completion and says, hey, your faith was a big part of this. Go out and, 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 and be healed and live a life for God's glory. Some more spiritual significance to this story is this. Do you see yourself in, in, in the nine at all? Do you see yourself in those nine men at all? If I don't see myself in those nine lepers who uh, considered themselves to be God's children, healed of an uncurable disease, if I don't see myself and recognize that I myself have an ungrateful spirit in me that must be identified and then destroyed, I can never learn to become this Samaritan stranger. If I can't see myself as an ungrateful person, I can never get to the point where I look and act like this Samaritan stranger who is noticed by Jesus... And he is put in the Bible because of how he reacted to God. He goes from a place that we don't know his name, but we know that he's an outsider looking in. And because of his actions and the way that he celebrates God, he is noticed by by Jesus. He was grateful for the healing. He was grateful for what God had given him. Are you grateful for what God has given you? This man cries out to the Lord, have mercy on me, heal us. And the Lord works. The other nine are ungrateful and they're marred in what we call selfishness. Selfishness is probably one of the greatest sins in this world. We forget about where we come from and what we've done and how we've got here and we live in self and we're only worried about how I feel. Is the air right? Is the coffee good? Are the the donuts right? That lemonade's got terrible water. Or are you just thankful to God? That I'm here today. I'm alive. People around me are alive. My prayer is that the Lord opening up our souls, the eyes of our soul, so that we can truly see the truth of who Jesus is and be thankful for who He is and how He works for us. There's a moment in John chapter 9 where Jesus starts to talk about spiritual blindness. This guy comes before Jesus and he's complaining, can't see. Jesus spits on the ground, puts mud on his eyes, right? And the guy gets healed. And then he walks before and everybody's like, how did you get healed? And he gets ushered before the leaders. And he says, I don't know, I was blind and now I see. This guy put mud and spit and I see. They are so mad they brought his parents. And his parents are like, I don't know, the guy's 40 years old. He was blind, now he sees, but we're not responsible. And then they confront Jesus and Jesus starts to communicate. And at the end of this story in in John 9, he starts to communicate about spiritual blindness. If you aren't thankful for who Jesus are, maybe you're spiritually blind. Maybe you're part of the nine that aren't thankful to God and who God is. Jesus says in verse 39, Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment. Only God could render judgment and God is working through Jesus as 100% man and 100% God. I come to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And as the Pharisees were hearing this, some of the Pharisees were standing nearby and asked him, Are you saying we are blind? We are educated. I've been studying. I'm a Pharisee, I'm a Sadducee, I'm very well versed in my scriptures. Far greater than you, sir. And you're now telling me I'm blind? And Jesus says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. He would give them grace. But you remain guilty because you claim to see. We need to make sure that we see God for who he is. Open up our soul's eyes and see him for who he truly is. And then give thanks and adorations to God and say, Lord, you are my everything. You are my Alpha and Omega. You are my beginning. I'm going to step into this new place. I don't see any evidence on why I should, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to go to Slovakia. Me and my wife, are going to go to Israel. And we're going to step out and there might be a war. We probably won't go if there's a war, but... uh, Just so you know. Faith in God is the main point. When we have faith in God and we open up and we're no longer blind because we have Christ as our guide... through this, it helps us learn to be thankful and when we're thankful for Jesus we start to have greater understanding let's sum this up and get ready to worship, respond to God now is an opportunity, we just don't worship at the end because we, we want to, we worship so you have an opportunity to stand up and say, I give you thanks Lord, you're my everything and I want to respond in a way that's honoring one of the ten men is truly thankful for what God has done This man learned that through some aspect of his faith, it played a great role in his healing. This means for Christians, when we understand thankfulness, when we understand that we need help to see God and who he is and step out, we have greater understanding. The more that we're thankful, the more that we push back into God, the more that we understand God and who he is. He uses our response to him to teach us greater things. Everything we do brings greater understanding when we push it back to God. And I just want you to close your eyes for a second. We're going to take communion in just a second. But I want you to to ask God right now one of two questions. Where can you be more thankful in your life? Where do you need to be more thankful? What person, place, or thing, where do you need to be more thankful? Whatever that thing that came up into your head, I ask that you will walk in faith even if you don't see the evidence and the reason why. Maybe there's somebody that hurt you a long time ago and now you're in a different place. Be thankful for that. Maybe you're struggling and and, and your finances are on the the bad side. Be thankful. Maybe you're like me and our family who's lost a great woman, a, a great void, a trailblazer, a pioneer. I'll be thankful for her and who she was. Where do you need to be more thankful? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you praise and we give you thanks. We are going to respond to you today, Jesus, in a way to celebrate who you are in our life. If there's someone here that needs a fresh start, that needs to put Jesus first say yes to Jesus every day as I was looking at my buddy Cameron's Facebook this, this woman that he knows continues to say yes if you're here today say yes to Jesus and if maybe you don't know Jesus and you need a Savior will you repeat a prayer of salvation a prayer to connect you to God and learn to grow into a better place of you you can repeat after me Father forgive me Come into my heart, come into my soul and be my Lord and master. I believe that you died and I believe that you rose again so that I may have everlasting life. Anoint me, bless me, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I may learn to be uh, closer to you each and every day. Teach me how to be thankful, Lord.